Hello listener, welcome to the Switch It podcast where, trigger warning, today we will be talking about England's batting. Yes, after the off-field distractions of offensive social media posts, Joe Root's team ran into more tangible problems on the pitch against New Zealand. A first series defeat at home since 2014, meaning the inquest will stretch well beyond what players have been tweeting about. There's now a significant break for the Test team, during which they will go back to their counties and work on their Red Bull skills before the series against India in August. I'm joking, of course. It's pretty much all limited over stuff between now and then. To discuss the vagaries of the schedule and exactly where the buck stops, I'm joined by Andrew Miller and George DeBell, who've been on the front line of England being rubbish since before some of the current lot were born. How was the uh, Edgbaston test for you, George? England did manage to take things into the fourth day, by which time you were out of isolation. Yeah. So, I mean, how was Edgbaston for me? I saw an hour of it. <laughs> what did it, it finished about 10 to noon, didn't it? Uh, yeah. It was very frustrating, yeah, so for people who don't know, uh, I, I got messaged by track and trace and told I had to stay home for 10 days, so I had to leave Lords and, you know, spend the prime days of the summer frustrated. <laughs> anyway, um, apart from that, uh, how was it? It was quite one-sided, really. I thought that um, New Zealand looked a much better side despite resting several players, probably four or five first-choice players, obviously they changed six for the first test. And um, they outplayed England in every department, but basically most of all in batting. And New Zealand gave England a lesson in test batting. And um, all those uh, English supporters chanting, who are you, at New Zealand, found out eventually. <laughs> we, we certainly know now. Um, I suppose if you missed out on the catering, at least you could watch from behind the sofa. Miller, um, you'll remember 1999 well the last time England lost a series at home to New Zealand. Is this in any way comparable? Yes, it is, um, in a very different sort of way. Because in 1999, that was sort of the culmination of a decade of England being utterly rubbish. And, you know, they'd won occasionally. They'd, you know, they'd win in Bridgetown or they'd win in Melbourne or do, do something miraculous once in a blue moon to keep everyone, keep everyone on side and make them think, yeah, this is all right, we're, we're, this is worth watching. But 1999 was finally final proof that absolutely rock bottom they, they, they'd they been on a downward curve and something had changed and lo and behold it did because central contracts came in the following year Duncan Fletcher joined that winter Nasser Hussain had been captain that summer but he came into his own as a new era grew up from there so 1909 was absolutely an abject summer but there was a real sense of optimism fairly soon afterwards obviously not immediately afterwards there were two for four in Johannesburg not so long later but <laughs> you know there, there, was, there was a sense that, you, that, that there, was a, there was an upward curve right now right now it just seems really dispiritingly bleh I mean <laughs> what, 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 what are they doing I, I, was, I was a big advocate and a big fan of their rest and rotation policy this winter I thought they got the sympathy Right, the, the balance, the, the the need to do things differently during a COVID era. But what we witnessed in the last few weeks, with you know the throwing poor James Bracey to the wolves when he's basically not even the tenth best wicketkeeper in the country, and you got Johnny Bairstow and Josh Butler popping up to play the blast a day later. I mean, Trent Bolt comes out of quarantine to come back and play a key role in this match, and and obviously going off to the World Test Championship final next week. There's a hunger and appetite, a desire to be involved. You've got someone like Chris Wokes, England's Player of the Year last year, hasn't been seen for spit in any format ever. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I get the need to be sympathetic to the schedules and get the need to give these guys a break from the bubble. But right at the moment, there's, there is no bubble. Everything's flat. And 
I, I just I was thoroughly dischuffed with with pretty much every aspect of this series. Um, I think things can get better, but as Nasser Hussain put it, better than anyone could in, a, in an epic rant on Sky the other day. It's not as if we're talking about, and we're talking about the batting in particular, because the bowling actually was pretty good despite uh, not, not getting the rewards, but the batting was, broadly speaking, the top five that you would expect to go into the height of the summer and probably into the ashes as well. I mean, throw Ben Stokes into the mix there, and, and you know, Dan Lawrence is on the fringes perhaps, but broadly speaking, you, you, would, have, you would have thought oh, those guys are the ones you want to lock in. And every single one of them played out of their skins poorly, with the exception of Burns, really. Um, um, so yeah, not a lot to not a lot not a lot to write home about. <laughs> nah, that's a fairly emphatic uh, reply uh, to that question. I'm glad um, you've gone that way, Miller. Um, NASA Hussein's team for that '99, um, the Oval Test in '99, famously had a tale that uh, could have been preserved in the Natural History Museum of Irani, Kadik, Mulali, Tufnel Giddens. Um, the concern, as you've just articulated for this series, was, was a very youthful middle order um, that produced 150 uh, in the series. What will uh, George? What will history make of the likes of Crawley, Pope, Lawrence, and Bracey? Good question, because um, you would hope that it's the start of their careers, and you would hope that this is a bit like that first test that Miller alluded to there in South Africa, the first Duncan Fletcher test. That you would hope that this is, you know, a difficult start, and they would build and mature and get better. But I don't know the answer. It's a really good point. You know, I think that when Ben Duckett started his test career, I reckon Alistair Cook said one day to us that this guy's going to play 150 tests. And I didn't think that was that outrageous at the time. I thought he was a really good player. Um, And uh, sometimes people disappear and come back, and sometimes they just disappear. And I don't know. But you would have to say that right now, the the warning signs, uh, they're sounding well they're flashing and uh, there's no particular reason other than blind optimism to suspect that these guys are suddenly going to start scoring consistently I mean the point I've kept making is it appears the England management have changed a lot of things in an attempt to win the Ashes in particular whether they should or not is another point but that's that's the plan And, and right now I'm less optimistic that England could win the Ashes in Australia than I was before the last two. And we know how they went. I think it was nine. It's nine nil in that period, isn't it? So uh, it it looks like a real mess. I guess the optimistic thing to say would be, you know, sometimes when you start, I look at around my office, you start tidying a room and it looks worse an hour into it than when you started but you have to go through that process to to build and improve and that would be the optimistic thing to do but I think we do have to learn some lessons um, I, I too agree with the rest of rotation but it is interesting that uh, white ball cricket has been brought T20 cricket has been prioritised all the time and it is an odd system where someone like Chris Wokes uh, who is not to blame for this at all moves into June how much has he paid a year? a million pounds almost and he hasn't represented England well, has he? Maybe, maybe, <coughs> no, maybe no, he's played a couple uh, of one-day games, a couple of limited overs games. Uh, but but basically, he's hardly played yeah, in this uh, for the first six months of this year, and that seems like a colossal waste of money. And you could look at that across the team and, and draw similar conclusions. 
thing is, I, I'm, I've got sympathy. You, you allude to this this um, prioritisation of white ball cricket, and I do have sympathy with with that because, as I've said before, it's not often that England have had a genuinely world beating international team in any sport, frankly. And England's white ball team under Owen Morgan is about as good as we've ever had. I mean, you can't, you can't, I can't think of anything other than the 2003 um, uh, rugby team that, that won the World Cup. That's the only equivalent I can think of in, in recent history of a side that was actually, you know, went into a tournament as favourites, emerged, winning it, and still had, in theory, room to grow. Obviously, they didn't in, in their instance. But So I don't necessarily mind that, that England are prioritising white ball cricket because they do have the really good opportunity to not only go to India and, and get the 20-over the trophy, but actually... In, in 2023, still have the bare bones of, of the of the team that w- that can defend the trophy as well. So, I don't necessarily see an issue with England thinking, you know what, we've got something really special with this team. Let's nurture it. But the trouble is, there should not necessarily be an overlap. I mean, this is what we're talking about: the, the top five that we're talking about for the Ashes and the top five that have failed in this last couple of weeks. They are not tainted by the white ball game or certainly shouldn't be I mean Zach Crawley arguably his his game has has perhaps lost a little bit of clarity by 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 tonking a few too many in for white ball games for Kent but that's that's another matter entirely in theory these guys are are pure in 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 the in in in, in the sense that they they aren't going to be in consideration for that white ball squad in a hurry therefore they can get their heads down but they didn't get their heads down and and actually I thought of all the players I mean Devin Conway Way and way and above the best player on show in the series, but the one guy who I thought really epitomised the difference between the two sides was Ross Taylor. His eighty at Edgebaston was a disgusting innings. It reminded me of Nasser Hussain at his gritty, <laughs> grim, formless worst. I mean, you know, nudging down to third man and basically using every part of his bat except the middle just to stay alive. But he did. He got through an torrid spell. Had absolutely no form going into the into the innings. Emerged. Frankly, unlucky not to get to 100, and that that was the pure mind of a matter. I mean, Graham Thorpe spoke about it very well yesterday, saying that you know it's a mental thing with these guys. They've got to they've got to show the desperation, the hunger, all the yada yada to to dig in. I mean, you know, it, it's semantics at the best of times. But if you take 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 all that sort of puff puffery out of it, and just look at the example of one of New Zealand's greats going into into the World Test Championship final with a with a with a mind of a matter innings like that. Someone, someone in England's ranks should have been able to replicate that, and the fact they didn't uh, was an indictment of of, of the whole, frankly. Um, the, the thing is, just 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 on, on that, because uh, you know you make a point about uh, England's white ball side, and that that's fair, you know, and to some extent, uh, you know, their their policies to some extent were vindicated by winning the fifty over World Cup, but it's been at the expense of, I would say, and I think that's the mistake. And I think there are quite a lot of ways that those um, investments in white ball cricket could have been mitigated to ensure that you, you didn't downgrade the test game quite as much as they have. I mean, I've written about this quite a lot. You don't want me to, to go into all this stuff uh, again, you know, all stuff about the structure of the season and all that. thing. And, and to some extent as well, by the way, the players just have to take some responsibility. You know, Rory Burns obviously had a decent series, so it doesn't feel like picking on him to say that his... Shot that launched England second innings at Edgbaston was abject. It was it was loose, crass, silly. Uh, it, it was beneath him, you know. Uh, and um, New Zealand's batters put a higher price on their wicket, which does, in part, come down to wanting it more. But even when Graham Thorpe was talking about you know the mental approach and stuff, he still said 
something along the lines of Miller, you did the did, yeah. did the chat. Oh no, you didn't, did you? You did the piece. I didn't, but, but I got the quotes. Um, yeah, you talked about the hundred, wasn't it? Uh, he said something along the lines of putting pressure back on the bowler. And by that, the English coaching always means hitting them for four, hitting them off their length. Don't hit them off their length. Make them bowl ten spells. That'll put pressure on them. You know, it, one of these tests lasted four days because of rain, and one of them lasted three days and an hour because England were rubbish. You got all the time in the world. Break the opposition bowlers. Go back to old school. Wear them down. Make them bowl. Trent Bolt's coming off a real... Ex- I mean, obviously, he's a bit of a... F- fitness freak he's fantastic but he's human you know he's coming off a break make him bowl several spells i thought he looked as jimmy anderson did actually just a little bit rusty at times and uh, uh, you know these guys are all human you don't just have to punch something for four to make it to, to 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 change the way they're bowling you can make them bowl 10 spells any any human will tire so i think you know i still think the messaging is poor i think it's naive and i think the priorities are, are wrong and, and the big reason that they're they're wrong in language the ecb understand is test cricket still pays the bills <laughs> you know they're chasing an extra 10 million or 20 million or 45 million in the hundred yeah well how much is test cricket paid i mean it's double that so you know uh, they are being in being greedy they are in danger of diluting the one fantastic product because english cricket supporters are not going to put up with the tosh they just watched now, why would you spend the absolute fortune and watch that well i think um i think it was ali martin in the in the guardian compared the sort of booze that nasser hussein got uh, in 1999 with laughter um, at Edgbaston on Sunday, so um, yeah, that's that's where we are. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed, Miller. We didn't get further um, uh, analogies about tidying tidying your room from from you, but uh, uh, maybe we haven't got time to go into into that particular pile. Um, <laughs> the, um, the just to get into some of the the numbers of this current lot, um, six six batters uh, with an average of thirty three point two three. Or lower. Uh, obviously, Joe Root is is the um, the exception there. Um, ben Stokes would have been in this team. He averages thirty seven in Test cricket. Joss Butler would have been in this team. He averages thirty four. Um, but that, I mean, there aren't exactly riches in in the county game to pick from as alternatives. Uh, I think George touched on whether this was the worst batting lineup England ha- had ever fielded in Test. It was certainly one of the youngest um, at Laws. It was the youngest lineup I think ever in a home Test. My own view but, is that it is. It's the worst I've seen. And well, well honestly, it, I mean, uh, honestly, I, I, I am I, I'm very happy for people to say, "What about this? What about that?" But I think I put a few scorecards in that piece, didn't mm. I? I, I, I'm really open-minded to hear it. And, and there's a couple of guys there I think have a higher ceiling than they're showing. And I don't think Zach Crawley's that far away. I know the figures are hopeless. Uh, Ollie Pope clearly has a decent ceiling, I think. But I, I, I don't know that the ceiling for Sibley and Burns is that high. I think they're the right people, by the way. I think they, they've earned their right to, the right to be selected. They've, they've proved that point. But actually, I think there is a base standard there that is just lower than it used to be and lower than other countries uh, and that is a huge worry and, and and when it's not one or two people but the whole system you've got to look at why that's happening don't you because anyone who says oh get Milan in get Balance in I mean that's not going to happen uh, get uh, Vince in you know we have tried these people 
And th- there's a reason they're not in the side, and it's not because they made so many runs it made the others feel jealous. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Milan's probably earned his recall. That's that's completely fair enough, and he's and he's tough and all the rest of it. But uh, the idea that just clicking your fingers and selecting somebody else is going to magically be the cure. I saw, I can't remember his name, Gio, what's his name? The coach uh, sent me something, which I should have retweeted, but I was um, doing something else at the time. And he, it was a, point, a piece on why Ben Stokes helping England win at Leeds was bad for English cricket. Now, I know every instinct in our bodies <laughs> is thinking, nonsense, that's absolutely rubbish. But he made a point. Because England did that test, were bowled out for what, 78 or something in the first innings? 67. Right, 68. I was, I was flattering them. <laughs> uh, and Ben Stokes, being a genius, masked the flaws and allowed English cricket to think, oh, we're not so bad. Well, and you know what, that, I, I haven't read the piece, but I, I, can, I, can re- I can relate to the sentiments because that's basically exactly how England went into the 1990s with, with the, the myth of Ian Botham hanging over the side and Ian Botham will bowl us out even when he was dobbling in off, off two paces. He was still considered See, that's, that's a better, better bet to win a game than, than anyone was any good anymore. And, and that's the point, because actually England is still congratulating itself on winning the World Cup. And you take Joffre Archer out of that side, and they don't win the World Cup. And English cricket doesn't deserve a lot of credit for Joffre Archer. You know, he came ready-made. And, and you know, I, I think people would say as well, uh, Ben Stokes is from New Zealand. And, of course, he has that New Zealand heritage. And, of course, well... Not, of course, he is terribly like his mum and dad. You know, he's clearly a product of them. But at the same time, you know, I think he came when he was 11 or something, didn't he, to, yeah, to England? He's a product of Cockermouth. I don't think you can yeah, argue yeah, I mean, you, Well, I think he's a product of all those things, you know, like all of us. He's a product of all of his experiences. So, um, you know, I think I've got New Zealand influence in me, and I, I would always argue that. But I, and I would say that he has in him too. But my, my, so I, I, I'm, I'm, in a long-winded way, making the point that I don't think England can take credit for Joffre Archer, but they can, to some extent, for Ben Stokes. And without Joffre, you don't win the World Cup. And you could say a bit the same about Owen Morgan. I mean, his, his development wasn't particularly in England, was it? Anyway. Uh, well, yes, that is... <laughs> uh, <laughs> driving a co- coach and uh, horses through that um, idea, I think. Before this series, Ashley Giles mentioned looking at new faces. Um, <laughs> Miller, that, that seems sort of... <laughs> Um, overconfident, to put it mildly, now. Although uh, we, we saw we saw something from Dan Lawrence uh, in that second test. Well, we saw new faces. We saw James Bracey. in a positive way. Well, Ollie I mean, Robinson, to be fair. Ollie I mean, Ollie Robinson was terrific. I mean, yeah, he was terrific. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Leaving aside the off-field stuff, he was yeah. terrific. And Ollie Stone had his moments. Um, there were new faces in more in the bowling side, but I mean. Yeah, but the Bracey's an interesting one, though, isn't he? I mean, I, I'm 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 currently writing a, writing a piece about him because I just I I feel so desperately sorry for him. But at the same time, being a wicketkeeper and being a wicketkeeper who was quite clearly so fish out of water as he was, uh, uh, certainly in periods at Edgbaston, um, I just I just wonder how on earth he comes back from this. I mean, I've got there are two obviously two prior examples of wicketkeepers getting absolutely burnt to a cinder in, 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 in the public gaze in English cricket. There was, there was his near namesake, Richard Blakey, who actually came into... I've been watching a, a Sky's excellent spin-wash documentary, and it, 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 it brings home aspects of that tour that I, that I, that I hadn't appreciated at the time. But uh, 
that he actually dropped a catch off um, of Tendulkar. Oh, sorry, dropped a stumping off Tendulkar in a warm-up game. Remember all the the, the talk of um, Phil Tufnell kicking his cap down to fine leg and getting a fine. I'd never appreciated the fact that it was Blakey missing a stumping off Tendulkar of all people, who Ashley Giles would famously stump stump for the first time in a test in 2001. Um, so that that was that was Blakey sort of backstory going into into that game leaving aside the fact he was replacing Jack Russell you know a bit of a dent in your confidence there and then suddenly he's thrown in with 20 minutes to go before his before his debut he's told that oh, by the way Graham Gooch has eaten a dodgy prawn he's not going to play here's, here's your cap it's like, oh. so you know very similar not not exactly the same but you know Ben, ben Folks slips over in the dressing room and suddenly Bracey goes from being this slightly anonymous fringe player to by the way mate you, you, we may have been earmarking he was a number three of reserve further down the line but here you go bat at number seven take the gloves don't 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 screw it up I mean you know there was a time only about three or four years ago wasn't there when I think England had four wicket keepers in their in their lineup uh, one way or the other and suddenly they're going for a guy who's probably not the best not even the, in the top ten wicket keepers in the country to keep in a test match it's <laughs> who was the other one you were talking about when you, you mentioned Blakey can I guess was it Matt Pryor that first spell in the side no, the the, 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 first, the other guy was, was Chris, Chris Reed. Reed. <laughs> Chris Reed uh, again, similar scenario. He plays as a debutant, age twenty, and gets horribly, horribly embarrassed by that slur ball from Chris Cairns. He was never, kept, never the same again. All, he kept all right there, didn't he? He kept fine, but that didn't it didn't matter though because once okay. you've once you've been tarred, I mean. Duncan Fletcher never trusted him, did he? I mean, Duncan Fletcher brought no, him I'm back. No, I'm not sure if those were the... Re- but no, 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 you make a point. I, I, I would have said Matt Pryor just because in Matt Pryor's... And this might be encouraging for Bracey. <laughs> Matt Pryor's first spell in the side, he kept on dropping outside edges, probably from side bottom. Side bottom, yeah. Um, and and he looked, you know, beneath the standard required. And he went away, came back. And, you know, he, he worked his ass off and improved and became a hugely important member of the side that went to number one and became, you know, very, very good. Very reliable um, and, and good against spin as well. So uh, that is encouraging for James Bracey. I would encourage people for an alternative view to read Mike Atherton in the Times this morning. Now, yep, I would get up at about 6.30 and read the papers. And I, I, 6.35, I'd written a furious text to Athos, <laughs> which I managed not to send till about 8 o'clock, because, you know, seems a bit unreasonable. But um, I couldn't believe what I was reading. But I think it's really valuable to have the alternative alternate view um the the basis which were actually the stats suggest that he was he did okay which i, yeah. I just think that's that suggests that the average is 2.66 in test not, not with the bat which is, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I, know, sorry. No, no, I know but, but there's, there's yeah. no escaping the fact he was a fish out of water but the, my, my no, I mean, concern... well i think it shows again you can't trust the stats if your eyes are telling you one thing and the stats tell you the other your eyes probably aren't wrong mm. I, I, the stats by the way suggested before the game that you had the best defensive technique in the county in county cricket it's off stump begs to differ <laughs> <laughs> you've got to be so careful with stats I say this every week you can do with stats what you can do with words you can make them laugh can and feel try another, do what you want I can feel another angry uh, text message coming on from Ben Jones um, from my perspective though, the- <laughs> just, just to finish on Bracey though my perspective it, it's never mind the stats it's the optics with this one because Bracey essentially he's, he's, he's like forced rhubarb he's, he's been grown in the dark nobody's actually seen this guy at all we just heard rumours that there's this there's this <laughs> mythical chap called James <laughs> Bracey Bristol not <laughs> not the Outer Hebrides <laughs> well, sec- sec- well second division county championship averaging 30 odd in the second division 
yeah. for most of, most of most of his career. Then suddenly he gets picked for this fifty-five man squad last year. Everyone's saying, "Who's James Bracey?" I mean, genuinely, who wasn't saying, "Who's James Bracey?" <laughs> well, that's a the few, point. They, a few have, they have got promoted. To be fair, and, and he did get a really good hundred against um, a good Somerset attack a few weeks ago. I mean, I, I I would I hadn't seen him keep before, if I'm honest, not in a game. I've just seen him do drills. And, yeah, look, um, I'm, I'm not disputing he's a good player. I saw, I saw him score clearly a better semi-five to, to, to beat Middlesex at Lords. I, I was right. down there and interviewed him at the time. Yeah, I, it was an excellent innings. It was, it was the match-winning innings of the game, as you would hope, from a player who was about to make his debut at Lords. But the trouble is, in the wider perception of where we are at with England and their, and their use of biosecure bubbles and their, their siphoning off of their best talent from county cricket and basically never letting them see the light of day again, just hot, hot house them in, in nets endlessly and factory farm them in, on the sly and then throw them out and say, here you go, here's the fruit of our labour, ta-da, here's James Bracey. Oh, I, I, I away. Well, you're right. What on earth was that? You're, I mean, well, seriously. And more than that, and more than that, yeah? You, so you've got this scouting system they talk about now as if it's NASA. Uh, Talent ID Right, multiple eyes, multiple times Bullshit Uh, How many times has he kept in a first class game? I think it's uh, Well I think it's something something 15 or something 15 or 16 Multiple eyes, multiple times I don't believe you, I think they're lying And if they're not lying, they're incompetent That guy's, listen he's Underperformed as a batter, he is a better player Than he showed and that's unfortunate And to be fair to him, I thought the first two balls the first two dismissals, you know, the one that nipped in, it's a good ball, eh? And the second one, OK, you've got a nervous batter, he doesn't know which way it's going to swing, he has a bit of a push at it. I mean, it's, it, it is super bowling. The third one, I thought, was a poor dismissal, to be fair. But anyway, he's let himself down a wee bit as a batter. He's better than that. As a keeper, you know, he was out there for quite a long time. And um, whatever the stats say, he, he looked surprised every time he took the ball. And he took the ball as if he was playing, symbol, playing the symbols. Uh, he, yeah, he, he, that talent ID thing is part of the hubristic nature of English cricket that talks a great game. And I'll say again, you take Joffrey Archer, who came from Barbados and, you know, tried to pursue a career. Completely fair enough. Take him out of the equation, they haven't won the World Cup. They're all sitting around congratulating themselves, giving each other knighthoods, whatever. <laughs> just, just to multiple uh, lies, multiple weigh- times. That's what the sli- <laughs> uh, tagline should be: multiple lies. There, there it is. Um, just to uh, to weigh the scales slightly in the opposite direction. So the stats, um, as reported in in the Times, on James Brace's keeping was that he, he had a ninety seven percent catching rate overall, which um, sort of matches up to uh, elite standard, or is roughly around. Uh, elite standard um, and I, yes, I'm, str- he- I'm struggling not to swear honestly I mean I'll, I'll <laughs> give dropped, you one no, did, but I'll give you a he, tangible he example dropped a clear chart he dropped you know um, well okay but, but that happens Tom, you know, Tom ca- Bundle keep- um, well, yeah, keepers drop chances it happens you know and it wasn't the easiest obviously he was slightly out of position what about the one off broad which bounced in front of him Went it in bounced him, in yeah. front of him because he didn't have the confidence to stand where he should be he was too deep so that doesn't go down as a, as a, as a mischance. Hmm. Well, straight away, the stats are wrong. <laughs> well, they are. They're wrong. And also, well, he's fumbling quite often. And now that's when the ball hasn't been touched. Well, it's a lot easier when it hasn't been touched. Yeah. You well, know, we, we, anyone we, who thinks that that was a decent performance, the stat, you know, they, they are judging things all wrong. I, I, I don't think anyone who's watched any amount of cricket would try and defend that performance as a keeper. I thought, you know... 
he shouldn't have been there. As you say, there were at least ten people better. I mean, you know, the bubble thing has made life tricky, but this is the second time it's happened in a couple of years. Remember, Ollie Pope kept in a test well, exactly. um, about so 18 weird. months ago. <laughs> so they're not yeah. learning from their mistakes. And there are dozens... I mean, you know, if you want a ready-made, experienced keeper, Steve Davis, there you go, straight away. Why not? What a Cox from Worcester, for example. Cox, what yeah. a John Simpson from uh, Middlesex. You know, there, there were other options. It takes... Mm. It wouldn't, you know, you say it was the last minute. To be fair, Ben Folks, that accident was every bit of two weeks ago, yeah? Mm. Yeah, well, they, they had time to uh, to talk Sam Billings, or, or for Sam Billings to talk his way into the group, didn't he? Because he was initially in the IPL uh, bunch that were resting. Um, so... Well, one of the one of the points I think Ather's column was making was was about sort of overreacting to evidence in front of your eyes. So if you saw Bracey and thought he didn't look good, uh, 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 and you've therefore got away with that conclusion very firmly in some cases, um, but with the result as a whole, England lost to New Zealand uh, were the poorer side in both tests, but were without four or five of their first choice players, whether it's that's your injury or through. Uh, the self-inflicted um, management process uh, probably picked the wrong team on both occasions. Uh, didn't pick a spinner in either game. Um, didn't cost and, them, did it? And didn't were cost playing, them. yeah, and were playing one of the best sides in the world. I mean, this New Zealand side. So, why, why were England four or five short? Because well, Ben Stokes is injured, Joffrey uh, Arch is injured. Uh, they decided to rest uh, Moeen, Wokes, and so on. But once you've well, accepted wait, that Mo- these... Mo- played one test in two years. We can't say that he's in their strongest side, surely. Well, well uh, I mean, they can't. The uh, thing is, if uh, they'd had uh, Wokes, whether they would for pick example, him, Sam, Sam, Sam Curran, let's say, well, Johnny yeah, but Bairstow, they can, you can arguably... only get eleven in a team. I mean, they yeah, can't well, have all these guys. You can't... And, and also, by the way, the bowling was fine. You know, if Chris Wokes had played, yeah, someone else has to miss out. And the person who would have missed out is either Mark Wood, who did really well at Lords, Ollie Robinson, who did really well at Lords. I thought Mark Wood had a half-decent series, actually. Um, the bowling was fine. The top five was the top five. And the guy you're bringing in at seven, Joss Butler, I mean, you know... Everyone improves for not being in the side. What do you say, average thirty-four? Yeah, well, it was only this time last year that we were wondering whether he was whether he was on his last legs, wasn't he? Until the Pakistan series came yeah. along, he was. So, yeah, so, and he's yeah. one of the reasons I would move on from Joss is to allow him to be a great white ball player mm. uh, without any distraction or anything like that. He's indisputably a super white ball player. I think he's still got a bit to prove at Test level. I'd allow him to, you know, you're missing Ben Stokes, and they'll say again. Ben Stokes can't mask every problem. There's been so many tests that Ben Stokes has won at the last gasp for England. Leeds, obviously, but there have been um, Cape Town. Cape Town. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Was it uh, Chittagong? I mean, yes, there'll be loads was, yeah, if you go through. Right. Them. Yeah. There'll be yeah. loads if you go through them. You know, there, how many times I mean, have the, we all... the, the wider concern? Wider concern for England as well. Uh, it comes comes back to our, 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 our your, your 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 friend of mine, Ed Smith. And the the absence of Ed Smith and the and the inability of England to sort of uh, escape the, the 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 scrutiny that comes with with cocking up essentially. I mean, you know, I come back to that 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 statement that, that Chris Silverwood made in the very first press release that he issued as after selecting his very first team, sort of uh, saying that the the visit of India and New Zealand, the number one and two sides in the world, will be ideal preparation for the Ashes. I mean, what the what on earth? What on earth sort of? 
knuckle-headed approach to the best test teams in the world is that. But, you know, I'll tell you what the sort of knuckle-headed approach was. It was the sort of knuckle-headed approach that comes from a guy who knows that ultimately, as a coach, as a, in a pure coaching capacity, he will only ever be judged, and Joe Root will only ever be judged by success in the Ashes. Yeah. But from a from the perspective of the ECB and and the heading up the selection that he now does as this new Obergruppenführer of England's selection panel, he's got to mitigate the the, the the likelihood that in the short term, because everyone's obsessed with the Ashes, they may screw up this summer. So already. He's 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 having to drop in subtle hints that you know what this may not go to plan, but um, you know, look look to big picture. If if there was someone like like Ed Smith, nice eloquent Ed Smith, talking in perfectly formed sentences to explain the rationale and the reasoning and the bloody blah, blah, at least you end up with a situation whereby Crystal would say, well, that was just a team I was given. I don't have a choice. We we are still working towards towards the ashes, but right at the moment I can wash my hands of the nitty gritty of why we've not. Yeah, got but I, I love the fact. I, I like that he's taking responsibility. I, 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 so, I, so do I. But I think he's he it, clearly he's got he's got to weigh up the. The, the, the jam today, jam tomorrow scenario. Well, he which does. Is something he shouldn't he, he, he have to does. do. He does, and that's coach. always the job of a head coach. It has to be, doesn't it? Uh, building for the future while living for the day. I just want to make a point about, you, you know, I don't want to have got Athers. Obviously, he's, you know, the best in the business. Uh, he is, and, and he's broad shouldered, for goodness sake. He can take it. But, you know, when he says, oh, you know, they've lost to New Zealand, New Zealand are a good side, let's just look at the bigger picture. Since 2013, against the three best sides, New Zealand, Australia and India. England, I think, have played 26 tests away against those three sides. 26. How many have they won? They've won one! The big picture is they are mediocre. That's the big picture. It's been the picture for a few years. And you go back again to when they were a good side, and it was after county cricket became very strong. Promotional relegation, very good players, tough four-day cricket throughout the season. It's not a coincidence that from 2005 to 2012-ish, they were very good, and the players in that environment did well. You've got five, I think, of the top seven scored centuries on test debut. Five! You've got uh, Jimmy Anderson took a five for a test debut. Uh, Graham Swan took two wickets in his first over. You go through it and the county game prepared people for the top class cricket. And now it doesn't. You know, those figures, I'll argue that with anyone. Well, so this, is, this obviously goes back to, uh, to the systemic... Uh, failures in the game, which uh, anyone who's read George will will know something about. Can, um, I, can I just say, I stopped there on a rant because <laughs> I thought you had frozen, but it was in fact your <laughs> eyes were just glazed by <laughs> by the repetition of me. I'm so sorry. I had a terrible bore. I do this to my wife sometimes. Got no interest in cricket at all. It's your wife. You do it to your readers. More to the point. Poor woman. It's weird that she drinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to say we could go into that, or we could go with is is the uh, is is the solution the the simple solution here anyway, um, channeling the spirit of, of Brexit that served us so well so far. Um, is it to, <laughs> to go in here? <laughs> yeah, is it time to take back control? This is with Silverwood and Root and demanding you know the best team that they can put on the field. We, we you know that those those problems of the system are there. But for the last year, or, or not, not the last year, the last five years, the last six years, um, 
the, the focus has been on, on uh, white ball cricket more than on red ball cricket. Um, we have been hearing for the last uh, 18 months or so about the, the run into the ashes, but even now we have been, uh, England have been experimenting or looking at new faces. Is the solution, Miller, in, in the short term, in the fact that, that time is not going to wait for England to prepare for Australia? Um, it, it, five tests against India, it, it's to ensure that Silverwood and Root have the best squad available to them, the best players available to them as far as they see it and as far as they're able to pick. But this, this you see, comes back to my my problem with Silverwood being being the, the man who takes the hit for everything, who decides everything and takes a hit for everything. He has he will take the hit if England balls up their chances to be the best white ball side team in the world as well. He he needs he needs a a firewall between himself and the selection just to ensure that when he goes out there with the guys that he's got he's able to say with absolute clarity this is the best team I can take out of this field and we're going to do the best that we possibly can right at the moment he is having to say this is probably as good as I can dare to conjure up without upsetting the people who are going to go out to India to win the World Cup in a couple of months' time and without upsetting the apple cart and ruining my own legacy as coach. It, you see, there's a very subtle difference between, between being, being, in, being in command of the bubble, of, of the unit that you take out to the, the, the middle with having had someone help you select it and being the guy who has absolute carte blanche say over everything. Something has got to give Otherwise, we go back to the situation that, uh, that Ed Smith took responsibility for, in, in fairness to him, with rest and rotation, saying that we something has to give. We cannot expect our best multi-format players to play everything at all times. If we want to revive England's fortunes, yes, the best multi-format players have to play everything at all times. But that is going to lead to burnout, and that's going to lead to failure on one format or the other. And therefore, I think Silverwood, through, by dint of his new responsibility is an incredibly difficult situation already. And we're only two tests into the summer. We're two, only two tests into one of the biggest years England have ever had. It's, it, it's, it's mad. And I don't see it getting any easier as a consequence of, of, of the lack of, lack of help, lack of support, other than these slightly anonymous uh, eyes on the ground that, that have no, no real say, but um, you know, they, 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 they can help or they, help or they like in an in a abstract sense. But him and Root... And Owen Morgan, when his turn comes, are the guys who take the fall for, for whether England succeed or fail. Uh, there's no one else. And so you, you could extrapolate that to, to say that, you know, at the end of the Ashes, it'll be Joe Root, won't it? Who, yeah, who falls. I think so. And Root knows that. And Root, Root basically, well, I mean, he's, he's already on, on course to be England's, um, England's most capped test captain, which is mad. It feels like he's only been captain for about a week. Uh, you see, it, and, and I get, I'm beginning to sense from social media anyway uh, that there's a bit of frustration with Root. I'm very much camp Root, I should say. Uh, I'm not sure who else could have done it, although I'm sure Ben Stokes could and will. Um, I, I think he's in an impossible position, and I, I both uh, I, I listened to him speak and. Some of you may have heard me talk, uh, asking quite aggressive questions to him the other day. Mm, and, and I'm both uh, hugely... I'm full of admiration for the way that he doesn't blame anyone else and also infuriated that I want him to say, what can I do? Look what they're sending me. Look what I got to deal with. Uh, you know, England threw away the chance to win in India. They didn't even try. They turned up. They thought it would be nice if we could win, but they never really tried to. If you are going to win in India, a lot's got to go right. You've got to really plan for it and you've got to have your first strength side. At no stage did they play their full strength side. 
yeah. know, they, they and, were never going to win in India. And, 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 and I, could... I, I was, I, I was, broadly speaking, on balance, supportive of that decision. But oh, look, not, I, I, not I don't want the extent to think... of everything in to, to do with Test cricket, which no. is what we're with the situation we're in now, with England's obsession with getting pitches that are going to help England to win in Australia. You're not going to help anyone to win in Australia if you end up wrecking the confidence and 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 the home record and all the things that have been good about English cricket in in recent years for the sake of some nondescript pipe dream is what it's starting to look like. Um, it could have it it could you know if England went into Australia with a with a with a, a full roster of, of victories and a, and a sense that they're going places. Then you can justify that. I uh, justify the, the the shouldering arms in India is what I mean because yeah, I don't think point, his team was ready to win there. Uh, well, up to a point. I mean, I, I don't know whether you can, but up to a point. Uh, look, I, I very much agree with the rest rotation too. I, I really do. I thought it was essential. I, I thought they they did. You know, that was the humane policy. But it's always the test game that seems to have to give. You know, Owen Morgan is about to have his strongest T20 side for the second series in a row. It's always the T20 that is prioritised at the moment. And before that, it was the 50-over stuff up into the World Cup. You know, we if we... It's a bit like a dam. <laughs> <laughs> is it now? <laughs> yeah, if you take one brick away, Miller... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a fine piece and it's uh, it's on the site. Um, so when, to, to, to shift this, the focus here slightly, when England lost at home to Sri Lanka in 2014, mm-hmm. um, obviously the last test series that they, uh, when they were beaten on home soil, that was seen as a low ebb, or at least Giles Clark denied that it was, which amounts to the same thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> George, should someone be putting similar questions to Tom Harrison right now? 2014 Sri Lanka side, first of all, was good. I mean, you look at the players in that side, they had a good side. Uh, also, the first test of that series, England got within a whisker of winning. I think Sri Lanka held on nine down, didn't they? And the, uh, yeah, and the second test went down to the penultimate ball. Mm-hmm. So it was a very close series, which could have gone either way. Sri Lanka were a good side. Uh, the big issues there were about uh, Alistair Cook's captaincy, largely. He, he had a poor game at Leeds. I don't think there'd be a lot of denying that. Should... Uh, somebody be accountable at the top of the ECB. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, whether it was Giles Clark in 2014, I doubt, uh, because, you know, he was an unpaid chair. But right now, you've got a chief executive. I mean, opinion is divided. I think he last gave a press conference in October. Uh, some of my colleagues think it was July. So it's almost a year. Mm. And he went a whole year under a previous regime where he didn't give a press conference, when, it, mm. when Chris Haynes was um, Director of Communications. Well, I'm sorry, it's a national governing body of our sport. It is not a business, not in the normal sense. You have to be a bit more accountable, particularly at times where the policies that you're putting in place are, are, are so important. And obviously there's the 100, but all sorts of other things as well. And what we've seen in the last few weeks is players, sometimes kids, wheeled out and asked questions about the ECB's policy towards social media. Well, that's Mm. not fair on them. Why is it always Joe Root who's having to justify policies that weren't his? It reminds me increasingly of Jason Holder being asked to justify things that Dave Cameron had done. Utterly impossible. And being the dignified leader he was, you know, sucking it up, taking it on the chin and getting on with it. I thought Joe Root looked battered as if he had the cares of the world on his shoulders. I thought he was struggling to 
find ways to say, you know, that's not my responsibility in the press conference. Yes, I think Tom Harrison, you know, for the big bucks, for the big position, for the big title, yes, there's a downside. You've got to take, take some accountability. And actually, he's quite good at that stuff. If he talking about the social media stuff, for example, I think most people watching, listening to this, would accept that the ECB are in a real tricky position there. It's not their fault that some um, some of their players have made at best crass, but at, uh, you know, basically pretty awful statements, which I think reflect wider society. Uh, it's not you know ECB cricket administrators' fault. But what they've done is they've they put out a press release that could have been. Uh, gibberish really it was um, you know, Jabberwocky it should have been named and it basically says we've had a review and we've decided to have a review that's basically <laughs> what it said isn't it so why doesn't he come out and say you know I'm disgusted by this stuff not just a, a, a not just a, a statement because you have to be accountable in terms of fielding questions mm. yeah so it's not just things that the ECB think they want to say it's actually fielding all sorts of other queries and say look we're we're in, we're we're disgusted by this we've got to decide what we do uh it's a tricky position because we don't want to um scapegoat a guy who was 18 or 19 and all these things and, and basically you are it's sort of saying half of what he's already said but it's being accountable it's mm. seen to not be hiding and at the moment it feels as if joe root is being used to justify everything when i don't think he's involved in a lot of these decisions i think he is probably quite frustrated by the fact that he's not getting to pick his first choice team very often and his own record which by the way what six months ago was he was almost the winningest captain in test history something like that yeah it's it's plummeted and and, and you know <laughs> he's, that, he's still like two off vaughan isn't he or uh, one off Vaughan? but in, in but, percentages uh, but, he was he yeah. was growing closer oh, yeah. to, to really or something yeah yeah a, a brilliant of course who who captained well, a few, against a few more draws for really but yes it was, well uh, a really never captained against west indies yeah brilliant uh, and also brilliant captained against an australian team during packer so I mean, you know, these records are nonsense. Uh, but <laughs> but the point is that I think yes, Tom Harrison in particular needs to be more accountable for some of the stuff that the ECB are doing and the policies that have led us to this point. I think that is completely fine. On 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 that, I mean, I I completely agree. I mean, I I I think it was July that he spoke. He may have spoken more recently because he certainly responded to the Black Lives Matter stuff. He he, he you know a lot of the work that you'd done, George. You know, talking to talking talking to the the various black players who had who had suffered under previous regimes. He was he was he was very eloquent. He he actually came out and, yeah, and said said some stuff that was was heartfelt, was genuine, was plausible, was was was. It, it, it was olive branch. There, there, there was sent. There was a sense that came out of what he said. They thought, yeah, you know what? We got a got a leader here who does care and does see this as an issue and recognises that there's that there are there are wider issues and wider legacy issues at play here that that really should be should be dealt with. I don't see why that should be any different with the social media stuff. I don't see why Tom Harrison couldn't come out and be plausible in the same way about the legacy of of these young kids in a right. toxic environment I mean let's not go down there again um, this week because we went there yeah. last week but you know he's, 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 he's a good eloquent speaker when he, when he can be bothered right. to talk and, and let him justify the fact that there isn't a lot of first class cricket now uh, you, you, we know their view I think up to a point let, let him field questions on that and say no this is why the, tw- um, the 100 is so important 
you know, let him explain that to people again, because at the moment it looks like he's hiding. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it looks even worse than that, as if they're pushing Joe Root. And to be fair, Chris Silverwood, on uh, the penultimate evening of the game, when it was clear who had, who had won and who had lost, came out, fronted up, did what he did. What he did. Uh, I, I, I thought he was in a difficult position, but he took responsibility. And then Joe Root again after the game. So we're asking a lot of those guys. And, and, and I don't think the captain and the coach... Are the uh, I don't want to use the word villains. That's crazy. I don't think they're primarily responsible for the problems that are. Well, I mean, it, it, that you side. know, it's, you mentioned the 2014 series as well. I mean, that 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 was the the other elephant in the room. With that was Kevin Peterson. I mean, his sacking in February in the wake of the Ashes was overshadowing everything that went into England in that summer. And, you know, for Joe Root now, look at Alistair Cook then. Alistair Cook was a human shield for the ECB throughout the... Throughout the um, God, he was, wasn't he? You are absolutely throughout right. Throughout the, the, the KP affair. He, 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 took, he took the hit for everything. He, he was somehow... Joe Root was in the room when KP was sacked. Therefore, sorry, Alistair Cook was in the room when, when KP was sacked. Therefore, Alistair Cook was the man who pulled the trigger on, on KP, that that was the narrative that the ECB were happy to trot out on behalf of their captain. It was an absolute disgrace. So, yeah, you absolutely. Know, been, That's a really good before. point. Really, really good point. And he was terribly... Uh, you know, Joe Root has the advantage of having built, I think, decent relationships with the media and being quite eloquent. Uh, Alistair Cook, obviously, is not... is uh, not a particularly eloquent man. He's just not. And whether we don't... I mean, he suggested in his book that he did feel a, a little bit that he was used as a human shield, yeah, as you put it. I think that's really good. I think that's, that's really true, that you're right, history's repeating itself. Look, I, I think there are good people involved. Um, and, you know, Ashley Giles as well. I, I think he's very good in front of the media. He would be honest. You wouldn't necessarily always agree with him. But you could see where he's coming from and you respect that. They've got to get out there and front up now because I, I think they're at a tipping point. Well, um, we've got just 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 on that because the next few months ain't looking pretty, are they? <laughs> Do you well, think? Say what, what we've got to come. Um, I mean, which, India, which is... India. They, they, <laughs> this is. I thought the last time they were they were in England, they had an incredible opportunity. They did. They did. This I can't time, believe they lost four one. They they they, they should have yeah, turned England But one over. of the reasons is. You know, they got to Lords, and it was like the sort of pit, you know, it was Chris Woke's dream, wasn't it? <laughs> and I don't think we're doing that this summer. I think the English <laughs> policy this summer is to have flat wickets, the sort of wickets that, you know, Virat is going to think, hello, it's going to be real. That's you've got to get to Virat. <laughs> well, um, yeah, maybe it's not too late for England to offer to, to cancel the whole thing and in favour of hosting the IPL. Um, we, we, yeah, we do have a, a diet of, of white ball um, cricket to come series against Sri Lanka and Pakistan, the launch of the 100 as well. Um, we will we'll have plenty of time to get into all that. Um, I think before we, uh, we... We can probably move on from England for now, uh, at least for this episode. Um New Zealand, New Zealand were the, were the, the victors uh, um, at and They did it without um, without their captain. Uh, Kane Williamson was uh, was resting a niggle, and as George says, they made six changes. Um, Mill, I mean, they're obviously a quality side uh, with great strength in depth. They're approaching uh, the World Test Championship final against India later this week. Um, was it almost like they'd seen enough at Lords to know to know what they could do against England at Edgbaston? Well, you do wonder, don't you? I mean, you know, everyone bangs on about England's failure to go after that 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 declaration, and you know, within Joe Root reiterated that it was the right thing to do, not to chase it, but not to even 
give even a pretense that a good start could trigger some some sort of snowball effect was 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 a weakness, frankly. And and yeah, they were able to exploit it. Six changes, which I mean, you know, George would probably probably make some joke involving involving sheep and populations here, but you know, to make six changes to a New Zealand side that, that's that's basically ripping out most of the population before you before you go into the second test. It's 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 a, it's a it's it is a testament to the strength and depth that they have managed to create that they can make that many changes to the team including losing their number one batsman in the world Kane Williamson and still come up with a side that that was absolutely flawless uh, Will Young I mean you know we talk about county cricket's failure to prepare England players <laughs> um, he prepared perfectly well for the up at Durham didn't he getting a centre as in his did final innings uh, yeah minus as well yeah I don't know I don't know what it is a great finishing school but uh, we digress <laughs> back into England here uh, but he he played the innings innings of the of the match arguably and Matt Henry comes off the bench to be to be man of the match with three top order wickets in each innings I mean Kemp's Matt Henry Kent Mac- yeah. Matt Henry, yeah. yeah. Who's Ajaz Ajaz Patel playing for? Is he has he he's been sneaking out in the Lancashire leagues or something? Well, I think he's, he's, he's the, the only Yorkshire, weakness, actually. to be fair, isn't he? <laughs> he is the only weakness. I mean, well, spin is probably their only weakness, and mm. and I don't know what the pitch is going to be like at the Aegeus for the final. But yeah, that that's a huge difference between the sides. But you would think that um, Devon Conway coming in was one of the last pieces of the jigsaw, and he looks excellent. Yeah, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, Absolutely. S- sadly, as far as the the weather forecasts uh, are concerned, the pitch might be wet. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Miller, you're going to the game. Uh, do you have a, a hunch either way? Well, I mean, if if the weather is as we expect, and we and the sixth day comes into play to to ensure that you know whatever whatever game is possible can go to a conclusion, I would assume taking spin out of the equation has got to favour New Zealand, and therefore. I've seen enough of New Zealand. I, also, the fact that they've had two very, very, very good warm-up games against England—you um, know—you you can't, you can't. It's not. It's not exactly conventional to use Test matches as warm-ups. But New Zealand <laughs> didn't, 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 didn't look like they were going through the motions in either of those games, and they'll, they will hit the ground running. Whereas I don't know what India have been up to. They're obviously over here lurking around, um, practicing with their huge strength and depth that Sid Monga went into such great detail in on the site the other day so it's not as if they don't have enough guys in their camp to, to, to really get up to speed but there's nothing quite like game time as, as any cricketer will tell you and so my hunch think- is that New Zealand are, are going in as favourites um, they're certainly going as number one in the world again thanks to beating England at Edgbaston and I, I look forward to seeing what happens I mean you know it, it, it feels kind of apt that the uh, tournament that has that has spluttered into life for uh, you know Basically, since 2008, it's it's been mooted and has been postponed and postponed and postponed, and then finally gets up and running, and then coronavirus kicks in to wreck the permutations and leave everyone scrambling. I mean, we've got a series going on in the Caribbean at the moment, which is actually part of the this 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 round because um, because they couldn't complete it in time. So there's so much about this is wrong, and yet there's unequivocally the two best sides in the world have reached the final, and you know it's a, it's a bit like. A bit like most of the recent World Cups, actually. It's, you know, you can have whatever permutations going into the competition that you like, and some of them are completely head over tip. But um, it, it, you, if you end up with the right teams in the final, everything is justified uh, in hindsight. And so I hope and pray we get a decent spectacle, spectacle because um, it certainly deserves to feel like uh, something more than just just, uh, just an afterthought. 
there, there might be some, some question marks over the quality of New Zealand's warm-up opposition is all I'll say. Um, <laughs> Quite right. uh, George, are you going uh, to keep our uh, Indian listeners happy and, and uh, tell us why, why Virat will be lifting the trophy? No, because I've no idea what will happen. But I do think that, uh, uh, that uh, India have an edge in the uh, spin bowling. I do, actually. And I, and I would expect spin... I would expect there to be some help for spinners. So, uh, as all-round sides, uh, I think India might have a, a bit of a, an advantage there. But no doubt New Zealand playing in England have been there for ages. It's got to be an advantage. I, I basically agree that they are the two best sides and great that's what you want you want the two best sides don't know what's going to happen giving each other hell brilliant should be really really good fun i hope that all that england has to do is provide some decent weather i'm not even <laughs> confident going to do that all, all i would say is i don't know um i don't know what england could learn from new zealand that's not to say that they can't learn from individual things that players have done but in terms of the structure of the system you know new zealand have got substantial problems and um uh, I, you wouldn't want to replicate the way that they do things because you know they, they have taken a sort of laissez-faire attitude to allowing players to go and earn a living in, in white ball leagues and just may do they actually play very little test cricket the test cricket they play in New Zealand tends to be quite dull to be honest terribly small crowds you know there's a lot of things they would want to uh, copy from England ironically so, but it is incredible I mean I, you know I think the population in New Zealand now has just, just gone over 4 million I think the resources are, you know, they'd be about the same as Warwickshire's, you know, so half of um, Surrey's, let alone the ECB's. And they've still given England a lesson, but I'm not exactly sure what that lesson would be. But bearing in mind, you know, he to whom much is given, much is expected. England has bloody loads, and a lot better has to be expected. So I don't buy the Athos thing about it's not that bad. It's bad. Make, make the most of your resources would be the lesson, I would imagine. And, um, right. Well, <laughs> I mean, well, they've got a lot of... Yeah, I mean, as, as I was saying, you know, the, the spin bowling coach when the side doesn't have a spinner. The, the, the wicket-keeping coach, who probably would have done a better job. <laughs> the, the the uh, fielding well, coach, who's unfortunate that his name rhymes with drop, <laughs> Carl Dropkinson. I mean, look, uh, look, the England's fielding's been poor for a while. <laughs> I, mean, it, I think statistically, it's been the worst in the world uh, in the slips in the last three or four years. Can't remember what it was. Three, three, three years. If you've got a consistent problem, you've got to look at things you're doing consistently because they're doing something wrong, aren't they? Um, well, uh, yeah, uh, l- unless we end on on such a high note, um, <laughs> we w- well, it could <laughs> get worse. Honestly, <laughs> o- over the next, okay, let's have a bet. Genuinely, uh, let's have a bet. England have got ten tests for the end of January. What, how what, many what? are they winning? Is that is that how many? Are, how many are they winning? How many are they losing? Well, I've just been looking at uh, t- those stats you mentioned for Joe Root. So he. Is level, uh, yeah, he's he's one away from being the winningest in terms of just outright victories, uh, level with Michael Vaughan. He's three away from drawing level with Cook as the um, losingest, uh, or so four away from, from surpassing Cook. Uh, his win percentage is uh, is exactly 50 at the moment, so it's um, was, was his brilliant, about 59. 
yeah, have that? 58 and and Vaughan's was 51. So, um, but yes, I would, <laughs> I'm going to go uh, comfortably on the, uh, he's going to overtake Cook <laughs> at some point in the next um, six to eight months. So go on, how many, how many tests are England going to win and lose if, out of those 10? If England persist with pitches that don't play to their own strengths and allow Coley to run riots more than he did last time he was here, obviously, uh-huh. I'll say two wins, seven losses. Okay. Quite, Al- uh, Alan? That's, that's, not too, that's not too bad, is it? I, I'm... Uh... <laughs> In what sense? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, wait, I mean, there. let's just ten, focus on that for a second. Nil, could, could be 10-0, couldn't it? <laughs> Which two okay, are they winning? Okay, so 10-0. <laughs> Is that what you think? I mean, it could be, couldn't it? <laughs> I mean, Australia. Well, I mean, I've, just, I've been sit, sat here listening to you for an hour and <laughs> there's no hope. <laughs> I'm, just a, I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy. Yeah. I um, don't know why you're having such a go at our brave boys. I think England are going to win those 10 tests 11-0. <laughs> I have to go talk to That's them. the spirit. Um, and, and that's the spirit we should take into uh, our last uh, little bit of discussion here. It, this is a marquee week for Test cricket, and the ECB have played a small part in it uh, by arranging the first women's test outside of an Ashes since 2014. Um, we've got very little to go on form-wise there. Uh, probably we could talk a long time um, about the structure of the, the women's game. But um, just uh, for once, Miller, it would be nice to see uh, Heather Knight and, and Mitali Raj leading their players out in whites. Yes, indeed. I was talking to Kate Cross yesterday. She says they, they always look forward to the, to the rare opportunities to play in whites. I mean, it, it's weird that Kate Cross is, has, has kind of developed a reputation as a sort of Eng- England test specialist, um, having played three tests in the space of seven, eight years, I think, <laughs> which is mad. I mean, that's half of the tests that England have played at all. Uh, but no, they're playing against India, which has got to be a good thing, because frankly, when India get get put their put their heft behind any format at the moment it generally means good things and more prospects for it so let's hope for a, a decent contest it's uh, i mean the last time out it's the, it's the first time that, that india have played a test since 2014 and the last time round they beat england at wormsley and that was the first time they played a test since 2006 so um you know it, it, they're rare beasts for 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 india and um but as shown last time around, Mitali Raj got, got a 50 to win it and uh, she's still going strong. Uh, they've got Harnpreet Kaur and various others who are who are among the greatest guns in, in the women's game. Uh, they're going to give England a, a real run for the money. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing what comes of it. So England have got some decent players of their own as well. I mean, I, I hope Emily, Emily Arlott gets a game. She uh, John Arlott's distant relative, I believe, but uh, she's got four wickets in and over uh, the other day, including hat-tricks. So, uh, uh, tall seamer. So, Hope she gets gets get some wheels. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to, to to obviously watching on the slide because I'm going to be down in down in the Rose Bowl, uh, concentrating on the World Test Championship. But um, but no, it's it, it's the other main event going on this week, and and hurrah for that. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the the tells you about the rarity of of um, women's tests that India their uh, record is they've won their last three. Um, and if they were to win this test, that would be a new record for consecutive test wins in the, the women's game. But that run began in 2006 when they won, <laughs> when they won at Taunton uh, uh, and uh, yeah, have since um, beaten England again and South Africa at home. Um, yeah, George, a few a few potential new faces, but we know we know most of of um, the uh, the, um, the kind of the core of the England eleven by now. It's just how they can um, adapt to playing a format that they hardly ever play. 
Yeah, it is a game where it's probably more important that it's happening than the result. Uh, and it's a bit of a shame that um, every time it's played, the future of the format is up for grabs. You know, that will be debated. Uh, certainly that Wormsley game, it wasn't a brilliant wicket, was it? And there was, there was debate about, oh, this is really tedious and all the rest of it. You know, we see tedious men's test cricket, don't we? <laughs> we really do. And... Um, uh, so, so hopefully it will avoid that. Look, it, it, it's good that it's happening, and yes, credit where it's due. It's not massively easy to move people around the world at the moment, and uh, you know, congratulations to them for making sure it's happening. And it's something to build on. Hopefully, in terms of the individual players, look, I don't watch a lot of women's cricket. That is not a political statement. It is just uh, I'm busy, and uh, I, I let other people specialise in it. No, well, I, you know, I, I don't do lots of things that I probably should and could but I, I focus on what I do and I'm not going to pretend that I am knowledgeable on it at all. I mean I know you're thinking well, why stop? Why stop the habit of a lifetime pretending about things you don't know but uh, just be talking about wicket keeping for God's sake but um, yeah I, I don't know a lot about the individual players and I haven't seen some of them play Yeah so I think uh, uh, we would probably all agree that there is a lot of cricket on but we'll, we'll be enjoying this opportunity to sit down and watch the um, Heather Knights players in a test match um, I think that's that's your spoonful for now, uh, England's men have their sights trained on the ashes but experience might be warning us to look away now, at least they've got some white ball frolics to focus on while the rest of the country turns to football's long and so far largely unsuccessful attempts to return home my thanks to Miller and George and to you all for tuning in. This has been the Switch Hit Podcast brought to you by ESPNCrickInfo.com.